Hello, geeks, and welcome to a podcast that's shaken and stirred. This is the Geek Center Podcast. My name is Hudson, Kevin Hudson, and this is our spoiler-free review for Daniel Craig's fifth and final mission as James Bond, No Time to Die. Joining me today are my usual co-hosts, because unlike Bond girls, they're in far more than one episode. In fact, they're the guys who wish they were spies. One's a moonraker and a picture taker. It's Lawrence Justin Lawrence. Good day. Oh, and he's definitely not the man with the golden gun, because he's way too busy having fun. It's Shelton, Nathaniel Shelton. I always enjoyed studying a new tongue. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are you feeling? Hopefully nobody's weeping blood today. Uh, no. Kevin, I looked up top Bond quotes, it's, and that was the that was the number one. It's got to be one of his best for sure. Yeah. Brosnan. <laughs> I might I might sneak a few more in the podcast here. We'll just have to wait and see. Very cool. Now let's get those PP sevens cocked and locked, and take a oh, shot gosh. at reviewing the latest entry into the nearly forty year old film franchise. In No Time to Die, James Bond has left active service. His piece is short-lived when Felix Leiter, an old friend from the CIA, turns up asking for help, leading Bond under the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. The movie was written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and Carrie Joji Fukunaga, who also directed the picture. The movie stars Daniel Craig, Anna de Armas, Rami Malek, and Leah Seydoux, as well as a host of actors we've become familiar with over the last few entries into the iconic franchise. We've got no time to waste, guys, so let's dive right in and give our high-level thoughts on the movie. I want to start off by saying, like, I haven't watched all the Bond movies. I, I didn't... I grew up knowing who James Bond was, but I, I think the Daniel Craig movies are, like, kind of the first sort of foray into them. You're probably you more know? familiar with the franchise through all the spoofs and yes. everything that have come in that time. 100%. 100%. And so, so that's actually where a lot of my knowledge and sort of expectations for this movie actually came from i think right after we left the movie i was like referencing i'm like did, did they do that in the simpsons or something <laughs> um but you know i i think the you know just before we dive into this movie um i i made sure that i watched um number one and four of the daniel craig uh entries um so i i did find that like i did enjoy this one probably the most out of all of the Daniel Craig movies that I've, I've seen. And I did eventually, I have seen all of them except for Quantum of Solace because you guys told me not to watch it. <laughs> um, so I didn't. But um, it was interesting watching uh, Casino Royale uh, and then jumping right to Spectre before coming in to see this movie because <laughs> you see Bond and he's using like a Sony Ericsson. Uh, and then, you know, just one movie later and he's got like a modern, you know, LG phone or whatever. So uh, that was a little jarring. But like I spent a lot of the time getting acquainted with Daniel Craig's Bond and I felt confused, intrigued and entertained. And I guess what I'll say that I loved about uh, No Time to Die is I wasn't confused uh, and I was very entertained. So uh, I thought that uh, this was probably my favorite of the entire Daniel Craig line. And uh, it's just a it's 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 silly fun. For the most part, like I think that some of the storyline is a little bit nonsensical, um, which I know, Kevin, you kind of mentioned at the end. But like, again, that's what I that's what I want, because that's what I've experienced through all the parodies. So it's fine with me. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest standout 
for me about this movie is that it really does close the story of the Daniel Craig Bond. And and I think that that's much different. I think everything before was very, you know, there's stories to them, but they are adventures of James Bond, if you will, right? They're very siloed into their own films and their own stories. So I think when they entered this whole, you know, Daniel Craig, and as he was called when he uh, was casted, the blonde Bond, (laughs) they really did try to stay more in a narrative formation. And I think they kind of lost their way a little bit, but thankfully they were able to get themselves back on track. Um, that being said, I feel like Spectre did a good job of closing out that story. And I feel like this movie does just a great job of closing out Bond's character, right? It's kind of like and an epilogue. Yeah, and concluding, Spectre, right? you know, yeah. Daniel Craig's sort of journey in this character um, very, very, you know, very well. I enjoyed it too, Nate. I, I think it's it's probably one of the better of the five. You can see in his acting and, and in the sort of performances that he's really just, he's leaning in hard. Right. Like he knows this is it. Right. It's almost like the more the most freeing, less rigid Daniel Craig Bond version that we've seen versus the other films leading up to this. So it, it's it yeah. was slightly refreshing. Well, especially when he starts cracking jokes throughout the movie, you know, like I think there was some really great lines, you know, speaking of Bond lines, like I thought there were some really great moments with that. And I thought that really helped to keep me engaged um, because, again, I, I, I I'm not the biggest of Bond fans so to be able to laugh throughout with this what actually is kind of one of the darker of of the movies I just I don't know man I, I dug it yeah th- this movie will definitely blow fans minds um, just because uh, as a huge Bond fan growing up um, I mean I was uh, I just some of my fondest childhood memories as a collector were traveling to video stores in Canada and the United States trying to find these VHS tapes and it took me years to mm-hmm. get the whole collection together and and I just loved that journey and the one thing that Bond never did with the different actors was in their own pockets Sean Connery Roger Moore they never really evolved the character it was always right. you're the same James Bond in each yep. of those actors movies yeah. whereas this one I think one of the brightest spots coming out of this Daniel Craig saga is that the character evolves. He grows. And it was so refreshing to see that from the character, especially because as he starts out, he was so Timothy Dalton. He was dark. He was gruff. The films were a little bit more bleak. Uh, There wasn't that kind of humor that had really sort of soured the franchise a bit with Roger Moore and, and Pierce Brosnan, where they relied too much on that. But he also didn't have that debonair, that class that Sean Connery brought to the role. And by the end of these five films, Daniel Craig had almost all of those characteristics. The, the main character from each of the actors that had played Bond had sort of finally come out through Daniel Craig's Bond. And that's what makes the, the, the journey that he goes on, especially in this movie and sort of how they, they, they wrap up that five movie uh, sequence it just it's such a strong character growth for the character and that's not something we're familiar with from yeah. the franchise as a whole so i think that's really what worked for me as a, as a big bond fan i think that yeah to your point they they did a great job at sort of concluding and wrapping it up with this fifth movie to really just close off that character yeah because i mean certainly when the daniel craig era started casino royale was a remake of the 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 first book by Ian Fleming, and and it was the origin. We see him get his double O status in the very first opening scene of that movie. By the end of the the last few movies, he's an older Bond. He's complaining about his knee pain. He's he's been beat 
had hell in these five movies. And so it's almost more like a, a closed off. This would be Bond in a nutshell. Here's his adventure. Yeah, over a period here, of right? time. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. They almost, it's almost all the stages that you could imagine of, of the Bond character all right. in one. But I mean, you talk about his character growing through through the series. I think in this movie alone, uh, I loved some of the additional characters that they brought in, and getting to see Madeline, um, you know, throughout the film, I think was was fantastic. Because normally, you know, we don't get to see the Bond girl carry over from from movie to movie. So I was so stoked to kind of see that happen in this one. Yeah, I, I also really liked how this movie felt like a, a very nod to the future of 007 and Bond moving forward uh, with the introduction of Lashana Lynch. And, uh, you know, again, Ana de Mas were outstanding in this movie. And she was so good. And it was nice that it, this film didn't feel super, super on the shoulders of just Bond. There was a really great supporting cast that helped kind of flush out and really kind of pitch this idea of moving forward. And I think it's it was so refreshing in this movie that th- he's got his his love interest, obviously, Madeline from from the previous film. But there are new female characters introduced in this movie that he has absolutely no romantic affiliation with. And that is so refreshing to see from a James Bond character in every movie, every woman he meets, he sleeps with for 40 years. And so in this one, he has, you know, a circle of friends almost or or people, you know, people just that he's working with towards a goal, not how to get them into the sack. And that was awesome. Yeah, Less chauvinistic. Yeah, that's for sure. And again, that shows his growth. right? Exactly. I think think the Nomi character coming in um, and, you know, making all those quips about his age. I thought was so fantastic as well, just to kind of really hammer that home. Um, and honestly, I would love if if we got to see Paloma, you know, Anna de Armas and Lashana Lynch, like in their own movie. You know what I mean? Like get 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 Paloma to almost be almost like the Felix uh, Letter character, right? For for I would, Nomi? I, would I don't watch know. Her, be oh, so I would cool. watch her in her own movie. She is such a fun take so on the good. spy character. Right. Yeah. Like, she was amazing. She was probably my favorite you know, small part of the movie the, you know, just to talk about in a nutshell. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's that little sort of pocket of something that felt very outside of the typical bond, but it worked well because it balanced off of Craig's senior bond, if you will, commander bond. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's obviously no, it's no news to anyone that like Lashana Lynch was, was dubbed the 007 of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. That was, that was announced in the news well before this movie released. Um, and I think that that's the way you move this forward is you start to detach 007 James Bond and, and understand that the number of the agent is the monarch of, of who the agent is. So that can be someone like Nomi, right? Or it could be a James Bond. So, you know, when Craig went out bold and said, you know, that, mm. you know, James Bond shouldn't be a female. And I, I think that is true. I, I do think that. I think double it doesn't mean that 007 can't be female because the next 007 totally. agent, as we've seen in, in this movie, can be a female. Right. But then I think to what Daniel Craig was saying, when you get the character of Anna de Armas, uh, the character she plays, it isn't a double O agent. It isn't the next iteration of Bond, but it's a female character in this sort of action spy role that is her own character. And that's, I think, what Daniel Craig was trying to say is you don't need to replace Bond with a female actress. You need to give female actors a character that can stand out and be their own. And they, they managed to do that in a short amount of time in this one. So good. Now, another thing that really stands out for me in the Daniel Craig era of Bond is that 
the Pierce Brosnan movies by the end were getting ridiculous and silly, and they were taking action. Obviously, spectacle. you have to amp things up as you go, but it got so silly. And Daniel Craig is yeah. never windsurfing down a giant tidal wave and you know facing a, a man created out of diamonds and stuff. It, it, <laughs> the, the, the whole franchise really? is grounded more in realism, particularly the action, and I feel that goes a long way to help you connect with the character as he's going through the constant ass kickings that he's taking, particularly in this movie. It was the action was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think it's safe to say that Born Identity or you know the Born movie style aesthetic of action was a source of inspiration for some of these movies, yeah. especially with with Quantum of Solace. Um, you know, I think we saw a lot of that too in 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 Skyfall. You know, Spectre I think did kind of push for the spectacle side. It was getting more on that action for the sake of action. But I, I agree. I think that the the testament to to Daniel Craig's commitment to obviously the character um, really shows in, in his ability to want to do these action sequences, right? You know, now he obviously got to a point where he he can't do as much, but, you know, Quantum of Solace, he, he threw himself around. Like, he, he badgered himself up. Like, he was the one leaping from building to building, uh, you know. So, I you know, again, commitment and, and care for that character to want to do justice to it. I think it yeah. shows through it in the action sequences as well. Well, I think I think his biggest problem with Quantum was he put himself physically through all of that and the payoff, the movie itself didn't live up to that effort and that was that must have been so frustrating for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, just really quick to jump in, I you mentioned spectacle. If you're listening to this, you need to watch this movie in IMAX. Find a way to safely get to an IMAX theater and be safe about it, but still Watching this movie in IMAX was so freaking incredible. Getting to see these action scenes, getting to see the the cinematography done by by Linus uh, Sandgren was so well done. Just the way that it sort of the camera moved and and sort of hovered in certain areas, and you know, sitting in the theater, it felt like the theater was moving. I know that's that's like a typical thing with an IMAX movie, but still, I think. A huge aspect to me enjoying this movie so much was that I did see it in IMAX mm. in comparison to seeing the other ones just in my in my home on, on my TV. Yeah. So I, I, I do think that if you're going to see this movie, you have to see it yeah. in IMAX because it does have spectacle from the cinematography standpoint, sure. maybe even a little more than some of the action scenes. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think the 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 one thing that really stood out, you know, connecting back to what Kevin was saying about the action, that sort of one take scene that happens in it and i and i i'll you know if you're gonna go see this movie you're definitely gonna enjoy it it gave me similar vibes to daredevil's hallway fight scene from netflix oh um, yeah cameras moving around quite quite a bit and it, and it, and it doesn't cut it, it is very much a very very uh intense visceral scene to experience um and I, I i really enjoyed it i think again they they did some really bold takes and it it really does intensify the moment uh so i think that it was it was well placed in this in this film uh at a very pivotal point uh, that really just helped drive the plot forward and that's another thing like this was a long movie i think this is the longest of the five bonds. two hours 43 minutes yeah. i was gonna say but like i was never no bored like yeah. i think in the other movies there were moments where i was like you know and again i wasn't in a theater in front of an imax screen but i was looking down at my phone i was kind of like distracted by things and i was never yeah, at any always, point in time feeling like this is a lull yeah there's always that great pre, that there's always that pre-third act dip 
right? Like right before right. you get to the last little bit, there's like something has happened and then everyone kind of slows down and regroups and then boom, you get back into action mode, right? This didn't to happen. This one kept, it kept yeah, coming through. So and, and I mean, that was one of the fastest two hour and 43 minute movies I've ever seen in my life in terms of it, the pacing. Loved it. Um, and then one more quick shout out uh, for our, us double O diehards out there. The, the, the nods to the James Bond franchise as a whole in this movie are so fantastic. It was so nice that they finally let Daniel Craig do some of the most iconic James Bond things that you can think of. Whereas they've always alluded to it uh, in the previous four movies, but in this one he gets to do... I don't want to spoil it for anybody who who really is just a huge fan of the franchise as a whole, but there are just moments scattered throughout this movie where you're like, finally he said this, or finally he got to do this, and it was so rewarding as as a lifelong Bond fan to see those things. Right, and, and, and especially in the series as he's been trying to figure those things out. You know, there's been those moments throughout the series where those those Easter eggs that you're talking about, those Bond moments were being figured out. And to get that sort of closure only puts an, another little layer of that, like tying up that bow on this story for, for Craig's Bond. So yeah, I thought that was a really nice touch to, to have that in there. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was very, very fitting. Now, no Bond movie is complete without a deliciously evil bad guy. So why don't we be villains ourselves and talk about a few of the things that maybe didn't work so well in the movie. Well, it's funny that you brought up the the bad guy. I think we all kind of walked out of this really whelmed. feeling a little underwhelmed or whelmed by, by Rami Malek. I thought he was very creepy. Um, I loved how they, without spoiling, I loved how they fit his character into the, the existing storyline. I thought it was really smart. And having just come off of seeing Spectre the, you know, the night before, the way they weaved that together, I was like, this is one movie for me right now. So um, I thought that was a really great choice. But, um, but he, he, I just don't know if he was... Um, he, he just he wasn't Christoph Waltz, I think, was the big thing that's for a, me. Those are tough shoes to fill, right? I, I, true, but I think, true, that's and I, fair. And I think it wasn't, on, it wasn't his fault. It was what he was given to work with. And I think one of the things that I really struggled with was trying to figure out the villain's motives and, yeah. and why he was doing the things he's doing. Bond villains are usually pretty simple. Here's my plan. This is how it's going to go. And then Bond finds a way to thwart it. In this one... The, the, the villain himself makes really questionable decisions. Bond films shouldn't make you have to think that hard about what was actually going on. And so I think that was sort of a downfall of, you know, the, the worst aspect of the movie, in my opinion. I mean, I, I did follow along with the movie a lot more than I did Spectre. But to your point, like his motivations, like what he wanted to do, what the, his end game was, was a little bit. Uh, it was foggy. Yeah, not it was clear. foggy, yeah. and and I think you know I, I think that is that is unfortunately the 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 negative to this film is that it's not really the the Bond villain to really go out with a bang on this on this series. Right, you'd right? think you'd want to have like a matching villain. Well, Blofeld would have like, been the better Blofeld choice. Would have been definitely yeah. a, a right. More I, I appreciate Rami Malek, but I think I would have rather it been this story been centered around closing out that sort of dynamic between bond and blofeld um and because he's so intrinsically tied to for his, sure for yes, his past, yes. Right? Yeah. yeah especially you know given the fact that they are you know he was his adopted brother right yeah. so I, I don't know I, I just feel like it was a better show i, I love remy malik i think he did a great job with what he was able he to was do creepy. he was creepy yeah. he was definitely very bond villain-esque but i mm -hmm. thought he was gonna have a far more clear intention of what he was actually 
wanting to achieve sure. and a, a little bit more, um, I guess, conniving. You know, he he did evil things, but then he had a chance to do another evil thing that didn't. And yeah, he was all over the map. Like the character itself worked. His his motivations and and everything just weren't solidly defined. I don't think for sure. And he was making a lot of decisions that in the moment you were just kind of like, wait, why did he? Why did he do that? <laughs> why did he just do that just now? That did that seems like against what he's trying to do. But um, I think overall, the, I think the writers had to make a decision with this movie. And I think at the end of the day, if they had, to, if we couldn't get a, an amazing villain and an amazing Bond, at least for this this you know final we got Daniel Craig Bond, bond yeah. we got an amazing Bond. And I think that to me, I'm fine with that um, because I think the the good news is is you know if we we're, these movies aren't going away. This is a huge franchise uh for sony i don't think this is going to be um <laughs> this is our last bond movie ever so it's definitely not our last bond villain ever and i think they still have time to put a spotlight on uh, on a really cool villain yeah i think the rights actually switched to universal now oh really yeah. okay i think well, i think so yeah. for them then. i'm not so maybe, sure right, maybe that universal's label entirely yeah yeah, N- yeah universal's label showed up and that's i think that's part of the reason why this movie was so late in terms of of, of release apart from obviously covid restraints but was, yeah. was sort of the studio switch over well i guess chris pratt is going to be the new bond then i think i guess that's what it means right <laughs> an american bond that would be that would be fairly interesting to see Ooh, that's a that's a ooh, that might be a big no-no i don't know how that no 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 over. no let him play mario that's that's already enough don't worry about it <laughs> all right well diamonds are forever but this podcast isn't so let's get to our final scores we're keeping it simple today and ranking the film out of 005. Okay. Um, so, yeah, as I said, like, this was my favorite of the Daniel Craig Bond movies. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed, I was entertained by the, the previous ones. Um, getting to see sort of an ex- exploration of Bond as a character was really cool for me. I think I missed out as a viewer on a lot of the stuff that was probably callbacks to anything that wasn't parodied in The Simpsons or Family Guy. Austin Powers, yeah. Right, or Austin Powers. But I did get enough of it that I was still entertained. Um, I do think that this, in my experience, was the clearest of the narratives. Um, I think this was the... Maybe not my favorite villain, but I, I don't think it was the worst villain either. Um, I still think that that probably fits within Quantum of Solace from what I'm hearing. Um, so I'm I'm excited to never watch that. But uh, for <laughs> for this movie, I had so much fun, and yeah, the the two hours and and forty three minute runtime just flew by for me. Um, and I want to watch it again. Honestly, I, I it's the first time that I sort of have come right out of uh, one of these Bond movies and been like, I want to watch that right now again. Um, if if only to see Ana de Armas again do that amazing choreography that she did. Um, but yeah, for me, I really enjoyed this movie. It's it's fantastic. Uh, I'm giving it a 4.5. So 004.5. Who <laughs> Imagine being that that person. <laughs> it's like, what, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Justin, thoughts? Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Date. I can't wait to see this movie again. Um, I, I really enjoyed th- the closure to the story of of Daniel Craig's Bond. I, having watched all of the other ones leading up to this one, um, you really get a sense that, again, they really tried to push storytelling with Bond's character rather than just a simple adventure. They tried to create a thread 
and and tie an, an emotional resonance to his character of why he becomes this agent that we've already seen in past movies. That's the nature of Bond, essentially. And I think Daniel Craig does a really good job of bringing that to the forefront and really highlighting that with his acting chops and also investing so much into the action throughout all of these movies and specifically with No Time to Die, this really does cap and put closure on his character. I was, again, whelmed by by the, the villain. I, I think Rami Malek, while a great actor and, and I think he's absolutely super talented, they didn't really use him properly. And I think realistically they should have, for the amount that Blofeld still played a part in this story he should have just been the bad guy um so yeah I, I feel like that is a bit of a misstep but yeah i would say that this is probably my second favorite of the daniel craig bond movies casino royale being the first um so yeah for that reason i am gonna give it a double oh four point five out of five beautiful and you know for me going into this i i i, I pretty much figured i had my pick locked just like you, Justin, I thought Casino Royale, that's going to be the legacy film, my favorite film of Daniel Craig's. And then even in this movie where you get a villain whose motivations aren't clear, a little underutilized or not properly utilized, again, just a weaker of the Bond villains in the entire franchise, really, I think it didn't matter. I think what this movie showed, if anything, it's that the focus really is Bond. And when you spend five movies that follow a single arc, rather than just episode after episode that don't have any connection to each other. When you build that character and we can watch him grow, and he's not just formulaic stereotypes that you expect to see him do the same thing in every movie, but make different decisions based on how he's grown, it's so rewarding. And so that's what really helps this movie stand out. It's one of the top entries in the entire franchise for me because of what they did with the character. And I think that is so... Uh, it, it, it says a lot about how Daniel Craig made this role his own while also finally getting a chance to pay tribute to all the Bonds that have come before him. And so for me, I was, I was really, really blown away with the character study that this film became. And, and I, I'm going to miss Daniel Craig in the role, having refreshed my, you know, watching the movies leading up to this. It really does tell a beautiful, cons like, constructed story that, that weaves through his entire time as James Bond. And so for that, I'm going to give this a solid 004.7 out of 005 for the movie. Oh, oh, anybody? Um, well, there you have it. Our spoiler-free review for No Time to Die. The movie is in theaters now. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars because we have a license to kill. And wouldn't you rather die another day? In addition, th this podcast isn't for your ears only, so be sure to recommend the show to movie fans, geeks, anyone you know. We'd also love to know what you thought about the latest Bond adventure. What was your favorite Daniel Craig movie? And who is your favorite Bond actor? Let us know at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. And in case you don't like to do things the old-fashioned way, you can also hit us up on Twitter at GeekcentricYT and on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. And remember, unlike Christmas, this podcast comes more than once a year. <laughs> and we have plenty of awesome content to check out. Most notably, we have our final episode for this season of What If Watch Club out now. Uh, we also had the chance to recently talk with several of the amazing animators responsible for bringing that program to life. So keep your golden eye open for that one. Uh, <laughs> Justin, Nate, 
Uh, for some people, the world is not enough. But just getting a chance to sit down and chat with you gents about the latest and greatest things going on in the world of pop culture and entertainment is more than enough for me. Everyone listening, you only live twice, so thanks for tuning in. Until next time, keep it geeky. Geeky.